Gonzaga Nation SI, Adam Morrison, myself, Dan Dickow. We are here to continue on chatting about the current Gonzaga basketball season, some of the things we've seen, liked, maybe disliked, although there's never a lot to dislike in this program, the way the mm-hmm. way things are rolling. Um, we're going to just get right into it. That LMU game, Gonzaga had kind of been fighting with fire uh, <laughs> quite a bit this yeah. year, yeah. Uh, especially in league. You get those three road games where it literally went to the last possession or two in each game. Uh, this time it was at home. LMU had them on the ropes. Gonzaga made a run, but then LMU made the biggest play down the stretch. Yeah, it was a little bit uh, surprising as far as the the team that beat us, and that's no disrespect, but they haven't won in Spokane since 1991, which is a crazy stat considering you know, this program probably started in 1999. That's where everybody kind of yeah. thinks of the genesis of the dominance. Um, obviously, we went to tournament in 95, but... Um, you know, so that was a little bit surprised. I wasn't surprised as far as how well they were coached. We knew Stan Johnson has gotten this program uh, turning in the right direction. In the first year, I think he had a really good year, kind of a down year last year. Um, this is a program that benefits the most from transfer portal, in my opinion, th- this type of program. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you're not playing at a par five or, a, a, you know, a school like that. You want to come to L.A.? You know what I mean? And, and be your own and and make something of yourself. Yeah. You know, that's like a pretty good selling point. So we knew this team was good going in. Uh, and that's the uh, that's a fair, honest assess- assessment. It's not just us saying that because they beat us. It was like, this is going to be a game that's a top 100 type game. They beat Wake Forest. They beat Georgetown. I know those are not the, you know, stalwarts that they used to be, but they were trying to go out in the preseason and win mm-hmm. games. I think it was the, fir- it was the third time since... Um, the mid nineties that they had 10 wins going into yeah. conference. So they were good is my point. Um, you know, I was a little bit perplexed with some of our schemes defensively late down the game. Um, but I thought that LMU had a really good game plan. I don't think we got like, uh, out coached in a sense. I thought their players were just a little bit more hungry Yeah, and you know, they made plays down the stretch. I mean, what was your initial thoughts as well? Well, you say that out coach thing down the stretch. I completely disagree with that. I was on Twitter kind of after the game reading some comments, and some of the comments are just mind-boggling. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, slow down. Yeah, I mean, the where, where this program is, if, if you get beat on a unbelievable performance from an, uh, an opposing team and then an opposing player like Cam Shelton, yeah. it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. So I think people have to slow down there. I think my, my initial reaction was Stan Johnson – knew he had the best perimeter player on the floor in Cam Shelton. Yeah. And he said, all right, I'm going to shorten this game. I'm going to, once they had the lead down the stretch, I'm going to make it have as many, few, uh, as few of uh, possessions as possible yeah. for both teams. And I'm going to trust my guy, Cam Shelton, to make more big plays than Gonzaga's players are going to make plays. Mm-hmm. And so what I saw is they ran that shot clock down probably the last six or seven minutes, I don't think they took a shot before probably five that was... Five to eight. Unless five, yeah. yes, five seconds or less was on the clock. Yeah, yeah. That's, they re- their goal point was really five to eight seconds. Mm-hmm. And they I think they hit one at the end of a shot clock. They got a couple offensive rebounds, and instead of going right back up, they kicked it out and ran more clock. Yeah. And then one of the other things I saw that they did was they forced a switch onto Timmy. 
and then they spaced it, and then they attacked when mm-hmm. they wanted to. The only thing I think maybe, and, and this isn't on really on Coach Few, I think it's on everybody in that situation, is deny that guy the ball, Cam Shelton, when he gets rid of it. Yeah. Deny the ball back because Coach Few's on the opposite bench. It's not like in the NBA where your defense is in front of you Mm -hmm. in the second half. Deny that ball back. So that's player awareness. The second one would be when they isolate Drew or if if you have to switch and they isolate Drew, who else was going to hit a three that you couldn't close to? So so shrink the gaps uh, in the driving angles. Yeah, I thought, you know, if we're going to talk about, you know, strategy and the pick and roll situation, like Stan Johnson did a good job of picking Drew out of the herd in in a pick and roll First they were switching, and then they gone to a, sh- a show and over. Mm-hmm. In that situation, if you're doing a show and over, and you you know you know they're picking out a guy, and this is an NBA term, you'll understand it. You just pre-switch and X that with your other big. Yeah. And I thought they could have done that. That's not complicated. And I know they've had other teams in the past with like Rui and BC. Those type of teams do that. Um, but I think it was one of those situations where, you know, the game just kind of went their way and there was more plays that went their way i mean if you think about it for lmu they had that possession where they got three or two straight offensive rebounds so they got three possessions Mm -hmm. so they take off let's just say a minute off the clock maybe a little bit more and then he hits a three i think a step back at the end of that so it was like oh my god it was one of those um and then they get they're up seven we call timeout i think it was about the four and a half minute mark so the game's in crunch time and we do a DHO with Malachi and Nolan, and they just steal it and go get a layup. And I looked down at their bench instantly, and I could see when their assistants was like, holy crap, we've never got this type. Of, we just literally got a free layup against yeah. Gonzaga. Now we're up nine. <laughs> Let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like The ball is bouncing <clears throat> our way finally. And I think that was part of it. Um, you know, and you mentioned the, pre- the previous league games on the road. We go that stretch where we went three by a combined eight points. We, we should probably should have lost at BYU, mm-hmm. if I'm being frank. I mean, they're up, you know, what are they up 10 down the stretch and then up five with a minute to go multiple times. Um, so, yeah, you're not surprised in the sense that the league has gotten better and they're going to give you some problems and you go against a well-coached team, a hungry team, an all-league guard. He's got to be a first-team all-league kid. I mean, he's averaging 19 points a game. Yeah, he came back this week. After the Gonzaga game, he had 28. He had 28 again. Yeah. So, I mean, he he should be the player of the week. Yeah. No, he was fantastic. And, um, like I said, their coaching was – the strategy was good. It's like, you know, if you're going to go against a pick-and-roll person guarding the pick-and-roller, it would be Drew. And that's what they did constantly over and over and over again. So, you know, I know everybody freaks out, you know – rightfully so as people love this program we at least we have enough awareness where people are caring that if yeah. we lose um but also you know i sat there and you know how do you do the broadcast i wasn't like shocked yeah and that's not a knock on our guys but it's just like we've been getting by in the skin of our teeth and finally somebody beat us and sometimes that's good you can reset yourself and all those things yeah you you always want to learn those lessons i hate the adage or that comment always hey at least you learned it with a win, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, it is what it is. Gonzaga is still going to make the tournament. I still think they got potential to make a deep tournament run because when you look at the overall landscape this year, it's wide open. I mean, Kansas lost twice this week. Yeah, Houston you know, just lost. Houston lost. It's 11 and 10 team. Right? Yeah, Arizona at 11 knocks off UCLA, who was five. So there's gonna, there's still a Washington ton of State movement. beat Arizona. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they, they should have beat Colorado, and yeah. then Colorado hit a game-winning three with like six seconds left. But – there's so much movement and parity this year. I, I think it's it's f- more fun than in years past. Yeah. Now, 
that was the first loss that our trio on the TV I said that on called. the radio. Yeah, I was like, uh, that's Heister, the first one. Yeah, Heister, yeah. myself, and Richard Fox have never called a loss. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, Richard told me this after the game. He was like, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> like, I've never been in this position. He did the radio like you do for a number of years, so yeah. he called a couple losses. Mm-hmm. I've called a Gonzaga loss on the radio side with, with uh, Westwood One, mm-hmm. um, but it was kind of a weird broadcast towards yeah. the end because, granted, we have to slant our viewpoint to support Gonzaga, but then Heister has to call what's happening, and then how do you finish that broadcast? So we we had an interesting one. How do you and Huddy handle that on the radio side when when – that is truly Gonzaga centric. Uh, I think Huddy and I try to pride ourselves of being as unbiased as possible. I know that sounds funny, but um, people do tell us that, and I, I try to, you know, when I call the game fouls and stuff like that, I just let it, you know, I call it if it's for the other team, I say that it's a good call for the other team. So in losses like that, I'm usually pretty brutally honest. The yeah. only time we're kind of upset is obviously at like the NCAA tournament or the West sure. Coast Conference tournament. But then also I look on the on the bright side of it, and I, and I guess it's kind of funny, but I'm like, hey, this is a really good win for a program that should be better. Stan Johnson looks like he's coaching his tail off, had a really good plan against us. Yeah, He did. And you're like, well, good for those kids. You know, that's a, that's a lifetime. Yeah, we beat Gonzaga, broke their streak. We haven't won there since 91, blah, blah, blah. You know that's a team. That's a team that like if they finish with twenty wins, they have a chance to be an NIT mm-hmm. NIT team now, right? And they're yeah. going to be a tough out in the West Coast Conference tournament. You know, heck, they could win it. Yeah. Um. So I always, I guess, we're ticked off for about thirty seconds, and then <laughs> we just we 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 go through our post game. I I know that sounds yeah. funny, but I mean I. I love Gonzaga basketball. I love the program, but when it's a regular season game, I I move on pretty yeah. quick. Yeah, you know, you, you kind of mentioned Stan Johnson coaching his tail off. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a great job with just different adjustments, but their end of half play to Valbo. be able to get Valbo. that three was yeah. perfect. Yeah, he ran Valbo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who's the best X and O coach that you played under, whether it was college or the NBA? Uh, Tommy Lloyd's up there, really. I mean, if you're being honest, um, you know, as far as just quick hitters and, and knowing situational. I mean, it was around Tex winter, but this is the triangle. It's a totally different system, but it's wild. There's like, I think the number's like 30 plus different cuts on our actions when the ball moves, you yeah. know what I mean? So like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Tommy Lloyd, to be honest, as far as like the college game, how about yourself? You know, uh, it would have been Mike Dunleavy for me. Mm-hmm. Like he had like an encyclopedic mind for basketball, yeah. and he had a numbered system for every action on the floor. So a certain screen was, if it was a down screen, it was a six. If it was a cross screen, it was an eight. So if it was a screen, the screener crossed to down screen, it would you add them together becomes eighteen. Oh, pick and rolls are seven. If you slip a screen, it's an eleven. If it's a flare, it's a thirteen. So he had all these kind of numbers put together with actions, mm-hmm. and then his ability to kind of uh, end of game, come up with plays that are already, That's, he doesn't come up with them on the fly. He yeah. just has to, he just has to share what he wants done on the fly. And usually, you know, you've run these situations and scenarios in practice yeah. hundreds of times before you ever get in that game situation. Um, he would have been the guy for me. Yeah. It's harder than people think, even when you coach at the youth levels or even like high school. Um, and you know, you're even like, 
just a random game and you're beep and here's a clipboard. Yeah. Run a play. You got 30 <laughs> seconds. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And to explain it the right way. So yeah, it's definitely an art form. I think um, you're, you're right though. You kind of have to have them preloaded mm-hmm. if you're, if you're good um, and have them, you know, dialed in and, you know, kind of learn them before you get put in that spot. So you just have them on, on, on the back of your dome. But um, yeah, there's a lot of good X's and O guys. There's a lot of coaches that aren't great X's and O guys that are great coaches as well too. So yeah, I think it's a it's a skill set that can work to your advantage and and against you. I've I've been around great X's and O guys that could drop any play and have the perfect offices, but nobody wants to play hard for them. Mm-hmm. And I've been around guys that are like, hey, let's just go and you know, okay, teams will run through a brick wall for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. So it, it works both ways. But you know, obviously, Fuey's good too. But <clears throat> Tommy was kind of the guy that you know was running a lot of those type of actions when I was playing for him and then obviously calling games and watching him work and then seeing what he's doing at Arizona it's like yeah he's a pretty good basketball mind if yeah you, if you really get down to it well I remember when I was when I thought I was going to go down the coaching path Tommy and I were talking weekly at just about different things scenarios ideas you know and we sat a couple times just in talked philosophy on different things and he he blew my mind mm-hmm. the growth that he had from the time that he was a like a graduate assistant volunteer assistant my redshirt year yeah. and then you know he he grew his role and then he was obviously a big part of your teams um so but it's been really cool to see his evolution but you know let's move to the pacific game that's a tough place to play because it's not easy to get to yeah. for gonzaga it is because you can charter to the local uh airport but uh it's not an easy place to get to it's not an easy place to play the energy the times i've been there has been hit or miss yeah um, it seemed to me watching the game on TV on replay was we're just going to outscore you guys today. That's mm-hmm. the sense I got. And Drew had an amazing 38 point night. <laughs> he just, yeah. he, he, he uh, couldn't be stopped in that second half. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a up and down game and both teams weren't really interested in defense, which is, is fine for aesthetically to watch, but then also you get a little bit scared if you're thinking long-term for Gonzaga, if a team like that, that's normally known not to put the ball in the basket is score 90 on you. Um, it gets a little bit uh, concerning. Um, you know, Drew was fantastic. I, I knew he'd have a bounce back game. He played okay against um, LMU. He had 17 and 7. So, you know, but I'm just curious on, I don't know, it's not the word motivation, but like how we start and like if they're excited for games. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's like these last six games, especially in conference, we've been kind of slow starting. And I know you can't come out like gangbusters every time. You can't pitch a shutout every game, blah, blah, blah. But also, like sometimes the energy is just not as quite as up to par as I think it should be. Mm -hmm. And it gets scary when you start getting to February, which we're almost there, and obviously to March where the game's starting to matter more. Um that'd be a concern for me if I'm, I'm Fuey and the staff and I don't know what you do, you know, obviously you mention it, but that's gotta be kind of a team thing. Let's go guys. It's also, I think it's, there's, there's gotta be an individual pride to each of it. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and the monotony of a college season is much different than a monotony of an NBA season. I mean, you've gotten to game 50 in the NBA and you know, you're not making the playoffs You've already got your summer vacation plans yeah. done. You already know when you're flying home or driving home when the mm-hmm. season's over. College is it's not like that. You have limited amount of games, 
And sometimes I'm curious if maybe because that non-conference is so difficult for Gonzaga, it's easy to to be excited to play Kentucky, Michigan State, that maybe they've lost. But after a loss, you should be kind of juiced up, ready to go. Yeah, your ears should be pinned back a little bit. So I don't know. That that's the one thing that I noticed about that game. And again, the counter to that, it's like, well, like the things you mentioned, it's hard to play there. Yes, it's the energy weird in there. It just is. It's nothing against the people of Stockton or anything like that. It's just you can tell that's the only game they've been to all year, and they're yeah. going to cheer for a team that they're supposed to they're supposed to care about, and they have no idea who they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, really, no, you're yeah, right. You know, so you can feel that type of energy. Um, you know, so I don't know. It's just it, it, it's concerning because Santa Clara were down twelve early. San Francisco was a disaster as far as the start. Um, BYU was better, um, but that it's easy to get juice for that game. Yeah, nineteen thousand people in there. It's your rival, and there's bad blood and all that stuff. So I'm just a little bit concerned. On hey man, we can't have these lapses of, um, you know, concentration or energy early in the games. Because if we bring that, we're way better than most of these teams in the league, and you know you yeah. have a chance to to control the game and your your pace and your style and all that stuff. Yeah, a lot of times if you have that slow start, it it allows the other team to to grow their confidence, belief. Yeah, their belief. I mean, LMU believed at halftime after they they scored at the buzzer. Yeah, um, because I I came out of the media room at the same time. Uh, as their players, and you could tell they had a look in their eye that they were ready to go. Yeah. They 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 had a belief at that moment in time. It was just a matter for them of, of executing and finishing. But then this leads to a, a good week for Gonzaga. Um, there's no game on Thursday, yeah. and then they're at Portland Saturday, and they had just played Portland like 10 days ago, and they beat them by 40, I think, yeah. where they knocked down, I want to say, 14 threes. 17. 17 threes. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, but I think it's a great by game on Thursday for them where they can, you know, address some of the things that maybe the staff has wanted to work on, but they haven't because mm-hmm. games have come on a regular pace. They can get guys maybe a little bit uh, off their legs and get a little bit um, back in health if they're guys that that need that. What's a, an off week or a short, a light week look like in your eyes? I think you should just get uh, some rest. I think Drew Timmy needs some rest. Um, you know, obviously rest some of the veterans would help. Um, and then just probably get in the film room and, and go over stuff with your individual coaches and then obviously do it as a collective. But just really hammer down some of those things we were talking about. You know, hey, you got to come out with more energy. Um, you know, these type of shots you should be trying to get, blah, 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 all those things that matter. But it really gives you a chance to exhale and, and focus on them those things. Um, and then kind of just regroup. I mean, again, what's this team, 16 and 4? And I think so, so. Seventeen and four, can't complain too I know, much. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I, I get the skies falling, and again, like I said, and it's the truth. It's it's fine when people are upset because that means they care about the program and they're watching. So it's like you go to some places, you won't even know that you lost or won, and be in the back of the sports page, and nobody even reads the paper anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I understand that, but also. You know, it, it could be a time for us to kind of refocus and go to your back half of your conference season, knowing that you have St. Mary's coming in or twice, mm-hmm. and they're leading the league, and they look like an NCAA tournament team and playing fantastic. Then you got a BYU team that you know should have beat us. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a refocus, reset yourself a little bit, maybe get a day off where you don't even come to the gym, 
Um, I think those are valuable as well, especially for college kids. Yeah. You know, um, and then just, you know, get your body right. Cause then now it's the, you know, it's the stretch. It's the final stretch of come, you know, into games where they start to matter more, the little more pressure, yeah. anxiety, all that stuff. And there was talk of Gonzaga being back on the cusp of the, the one seed line before the LMU loss. I, I think it's still way too early to truly say, seed. Hey, this is a one seed team. Cause again, there's like we losses. talked about, there's, there's too many, like, yeah, no, you're okay. So sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. But we have, I just think we don't have enough big wins. The Kentucky play. one isn't what we thought it was going to be. And exactly. same with the Michigan state one. Yeah. So that, that, and that's, you know, again, always having to clarify myself, but it's always, you know, cause everything can be clipped, but I don't want to take it away from this team or anything like that. But it's like, we're just not a number one seed. This yeah. year. We don't have enough big wins. We can be a three seed a two seed, obviously anything else, but in like Ken Palm and just on the f- facts and data, we're just not. Yeah. But I think that's actually a good thing because with being yeah. a one seed comes a ton of responsibility and a ton of pressure yeah. and, you know, this team, this program hasn't been able to fly under the radar going in the NCAA tournament for a while. It's true. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a very good point. It's been probably almost a decade, probably, yeah. where, you know, nobody's talked about us, but we have, we've made the Sweet 16s every year since 2014, I think, is the yeah. number. So I think, it's, I think like, it's seven in a row. Yeah, so it's just like, yeah, you know, when people are like, they don't win in March, you're like, Okay. They actually had the most wins of anybody the last. I know. I eight, just eight years. I think I've never understood that argument. It's like, so what part of not winning? To, I mean, I'm just trying to do the math. I'm like, what do you mean? We have the most wins since yeah. this amount of time. We get to the second weekend, like most programs. If you get to the second weekend, yay, we did it. Yeah, you're hanging a banner and you're having a parade when you get back home. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. They haven't had a national title in over 20 years yeah. since Michigan State. I want to say, say it was 2001. Yeah. Yep. And Team so place. everyone talks about how good the Big Ten is. Mm-hmm. But no, you're right. They haven't won. The league hasn't won a title. Now Gonzaga hasn't won either, but they get held to different standards. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's interesting. But yeah, I think just to kind of wrap it all up, I think a, a bye week is good, is good for us. Um, refocus, reset, get the guys away from the gym um, for a day, you know, and get healthy. I think Drew needs a rest. I think he looks tired at some or certain points, not in a bad way, but he just looks a little bit fatigued. He's had a lot on his plate the last couple of years. You know, that stuff adds up and, and takes its toll and playing heavy minutes. And I think playing big minutes, uh, you know, center position minutes are a little bit harder than guard minutes. Yeah. You, you probably agree. More physical. Yeah, it's just physical and you, you there's more on your body and you're always pushing and um, obviously you're sprinting and running as a guard, but you don't have to lean. When you have to lean and push on somebody, that's when you get most tired yeah it's, you know. it's a different type of conditioning yes and, and getting worn out that's for sure yeah i think that's a great point last question mo before we we wrap uh up today's episode they just beat portland by 40 mm-hmm. you, you said gonzaga made 17 threes yeah what type of adjustment would you expect Shantae Leggins to make? Not let us shoot wide ass, wide ass <laughs> open threes. He did it the year horse before. shots yeah horse shots he did it the year before we had 18 at home he just uh, I think they get scared of our dribble drive, I guess, and and the inside game with Drew. But I mean, it's it, over half of those shots in that game were wide ass open, and so we made seventeen of them. I think we we're seventeen of thirty eight. You know, so nineteen shots for Division one players are towed up. These and we're gonna, gonna make, make a majority yeah, of those. Make them, and they start. Everybody starts rolling. Everybody gets going. We had eleven in the first half. So yeah, I, I 
I just I said it on the radio. I was like, I don't understand this philosophy defensively, and I get it. Personnel, it's easy for me to say that when you look at your own squad and you go, oh my god, we're gonna get dunked on if we don't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I get that part, but having guys shoot towed up threes just doesn't make sense. So if I'm Shante, I just guard the three line and 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 try something else. That's what I would do. You know what I'd be interested in seeing if because teams have done it in stretches where they play Drew single coverage. Mm-hmm. If they switch, were to switch everything on the perimeter, mm-hmm. and then select and your, take away every three, play essentially just say Drew go for fifty tonight. Yeah, see if you can score sixty five. Yeah, I, and don't let anybody else beat you. Yeah, no, I've 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 been thought of that strategy in different situations, not just with Gonzaga. Sometimes, like when the best player gets all theirs, but you take everything else away, sometimes that's fine mm-hmm. and i've had that strategy employed on me when i was in high school you know i played against buddies and then later in life they're like yeah we were just denying everybody else we knew you were going to get 35 but we didn't care yeah go ahead have fun you know and and sometimes it works because nobody else gets anything going and people get frustrated and and it turns into not your normal flow of the game so i wouldn't be surprised if they uh try something like that or you don't even have to double team but like at least dig you know from you know, the weak side and, and teach your guys to pre-rotate. I don't know, man, but some of it's just allowing guys to toe up threes. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, especially this day and age where it's become such a focal point yeah, of everybody's every, skill You should work out. Everybody now. Like, yeah. If you can't shoot a three, at least at a 30% clip. It shouldn't be on the floor. <laughs> can't, can't survive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mo, always good to, to do these recordings in person. Uh, we'll be back hopefully in person next week. Okay. If not, it'll be on Zoom. But uh, another good episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review. And uh, I guess, Mo, what's your prediction? How many will Gonzaga win on the road at Portland this week? Uh, plus 15 is probably what my guess would be. I think it would be closer. It's not going to be a 40-point blowout. They're going to have more pride and and they're going to play harder and all that stuff and adjust. But I think we're a 15-point type better team than them. I'm with you. I think it'll be double digits as yeah. well. I think they are better at home at the Child Center. Yeah. Um, but Gonzaga will prevail. So until next week, Adam Morrison and Dan Dickow.